This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to Green and White, our weekly Plymouth Argyle fan-led podcast. We're back again to discuss Friday night's disappointing 2-0 defeat to Port Vale. Another update from Alex Fletcher and preview Saturday's trip to East Anglia as the Greens take on Cambridge United. I'm Aaron and joining me this week is the tangent-free Joe Bell. Good evening. And Sam Down. Good evening. Before we begin, great to hear that former Argyle man Alex Fletcher has been discharged from hospital and is back home with his fiancée, Ellie, where he'll continue his rehabilitation following brain surgery just over three weeks ago. Fantastic to hear, and I'm sure everybody's with me and wishing Alex all the best of his recovery. Just get straight into it. I wasn't lucky enough to be at Home Park to watch our unbeaten home record come to an end, having to make do with Argyle TV instead. Goals from Tom Conlon and James Wilson, not that one. Or a slump to a 2-0 defeat. Our first league game of the season where we haven't scored. Simple first question for you both. Just initial thoughts. Uh, yeah, disappointing. It feels like if it, whilst it is the, uh, the, the first loss in I think, 16 league games, it feels like it's been coming a long way off. Like We've only had two league games since the Exeter game. Lincoln away and Burton away. Lincoln, we played pretty poorly for most of it. Probably lucky to get a draw. Burton, I think a draw was a fair result, but that's just because we had a half-hour spell and we were very good. You know, the rest of it, we were pretty poor. So, and obviously the, the cup, the cup loss. Uh, so, yeah, this 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 result has been coming. It's felt for a while that our form is just on the, the downturn a little bit and it did culminate in what was, for the most part, a pretty poor performance and loss against Port Vale. I know we had quite a few good chances, which we'll come on to in a minute. So, we, at least we didn't have the quality to create chances, but... Our composure, control of the midfield uh, was pretty poor. Uh, We we didn't really get a foothold in the game. We certainly didn't really neuter them on the counter-attack like I'd have liked us to. Yeah, disappointing. Unfortunately, the the bad run does continue. Um, And even though it's only one league loss, I'm still kind of counting it as a bad run because of what I said earlier. And, And yeah, hopefully we can turn it around on Saturday. Bad run in the league of one defeat in 16. Yeah, but I did sort of, I did sort of just say why I felt that's still a bad run. It was the two draws in which we played pretty poorly, and also the cup loss as well. So it still feels like a bit of a downturn, I'd say. Yeah, um, you know, I'm just trying to stir it up yeah. before we get going. Um, Fair enough, mate. <laughs> I thought we started quite brightly, um, but then 
from probably about the five minute mark, I don't think we ever really had too much control of the game. We sort of spoke last week about Port Vale and how they were going to make it difficult for us. I think full credit to them. They have a certain style of play that, um, when I say certain style of play, I'm not quite referring to a particularly physical way or a particularly time-wasting way or anything like that. I'm just saying they do what's effective for their group. Um, And they punished us. Um, They punished us for, let's call it as it is, some pretty abysmal final third quality. Chance after chance, we could have been there for two hours and I don't think we'd have scored. I don't know why. The chances were clear for all to see. Um, Some of them were glaring. I don't think we had a particularly great amount of quality on the ball at times. We looked particularly fragile at the back, I thought, at set pieces, which, you know, I mean, that's glaringly obvious in their first goal, um, albeit there's an element of fluke about it. The second goal is just poor. I remember saying on this podcast uh, one of the things I had written down at the Burton game was game management, and it was underlined several times. It's come back to bite us again. We had Lonvike go down injured. He comes off the pitch. He's receiving treatment for about three, four minutes, and yet we don't have a substitute ready. We then proceed to play two minutes with 10 men, of which nobody thinks it's a good idea to put somebody back in the centre-half position, no matter who it is. Even if it's somebody like Jordan Houghton, just get a body in there. Lo and behold, where does the Port Vale second goal come from? The right side of our defence. Shot ourselves in the foot. Didn't do anywhere near enough to certainly win the game. It had been highway robbery had we got a point. Credit to Port Vale. They came. They did the job. Yeah, pretty pretty frustrated with that. Because although Sam says our performances have dropped, you still don't expect the loss to come. Do you? That's no. We looked, we looked pretty invincible at home, albeit I hate using that word in a sporting context. But yeah, we didn't look good from start to finish. We only really had control in the last 10 minutes when we were trying to put square pegs in round holes. Yeah, frustrating. Move on. Cambridge away. I think you're both right in the fact that, you know, Sam, you, you allude to like the poor recent run. And also, Joe, when you initially said even if it was tongue-in-cheek, you know, first league loss in 16. You know, you couple that with first loss at home all season, first game of the season that we failed to score. There's wider context to it, isn't there? Four games in a row that we've gone one behind. Basically, I'm just thinking, I know from my chats, whether just wondering whether it's an overreaction to think we're not going up as champions just on the back of, like, (laughs) one or two Um, games. It's not quite four in a row. We did go one up at Lincoln, uh, so but three in a row if you count the the Pizza Cup, yeah. So oh, yeah. three in a row so, that we've, yeah, three in a row that we've we've gone behind. Um, is it an overreaction? Well, I'm 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 going to write an article about this. It will be available on a on a good website uh, very soon for you for you listeners to read. But my shortened version is that I think yes, there is a danger of overreacting and also a danger of underreacting. I think yes, bad runs do happen. In all of our successful seasons that we've had, we, we, we really we have tended to have bad runs somewhere in, and that, that's probably the same for almost everything. Weirdly enough, for Argyle, it has often seemed to come around this time of year. It was around this time of the year last season we had a wobble. I think the year we went up under Derek Adams, we had a wobble around this time of year. The year we got to Wembley again, we had a big wobble around this time of year. Um, it just does seem, does seem to be the trend that, that November going into December it seems to be a bit of a rough time for Argyle. Um, obviously, if that trend does continue, the good news is we'll pick up around Christmas. If we continue to not win going into Christmas and New Year, then I might start getting a bit worried. But Wobble will come, and there's still every chance we're going to turn it around. 
we still have a chance of top two. What I will say is that maybe the reason I'm a little bit less shocked is because I wasn't, if you remember what we said in the podcast last week, we spoke about Chris Waddle, I wasn't as confident of top two as so many, but I, I just did feel that at some point the strength for the squad or, or lack of depth for the squad would start the show. And, and may, maybe to an extent that, that's, that's what's starting to happen with players playing through injuries and through fatigue, the run could continue. Let's also be fair in, this, in the fact that when we're talking about overreacting and underreacting, that the weekend's results... I mean, if we, if we could have chosen a week to lose, we would also have taken a week where Ipswich and Sheffield Wednesday don't pick up maximum points. Yeah. Ipswich will be absolutely kicking themselves for the for what's happened in their game. And by all accounts, it was a bore draw at Pride Park. Um, so we've got away with it in that sense. It's a strange way to look at it, isn't it? Because although we're frustrated with our result, we are still top. We are still, what? 10, 9, 10 points clear of fourth place. So we're still in a very strong position. But equally, you could look at it that Ipswich and Sheffield Wednesday might feel a little bit more aggrieved because this was a real chance to put us to the sword. But then there's the other side to it again, that had we managed to pick up three points on Friday night, this weekend would have been absolutely perfect. And we didn't even have to put pressure on those two teams and they buckled. Is it just a case that like, nothing's grey anymore? Like it's all or nothing. It's either like huge wins or like shocking losses. I, I'm just I'm yes. speaking of football as a whole, right? Like you either have to be you either have to be the angriest person possible or the happiest alive. Like that's just what football does to you well, now. I think yeah. I think if you look through the league table, bar certainly Portsmouth off the top of my head, and I think Exeter have a large number of draws. There aren't many teams in this league that draw games. Fleetwood like a draw from time to time. But in talking of grey area, there seems to be a lot of wins and losses this year. I don't think any team, bar the top three for obvious reasons, has a great amount of consistency, bar perhaps up until recent weeks, Forest Green losing. Yeah, is is the grey area of football and the mystery of it gone out the door? I don't know. I doubt it, but... I think there's definitely an aspect of, of, of truth to that. And I think, I think, again, it's about, yes, look, on the day of the match, when we're all angry, we're all uh, peed off, we've all seen the disappointing game or, you know, listened to a disappointing game or whatever, there, there, is, that, there is that temptation that you say, oh, we're, you know, we're rubbish, we're this, we're that. And I think we've probably all done it, if I'm being honest with myself, but the key is then to have that calm, sober-headed reaction once the initial anger at the defeat has died down. And yes, look, there is that very much that danger of, swaying too far when whatever that that's why again sorry to keep bringing it back to this when, when uh you asked last week do, do we think we'll come top two and i said well you know depends on january but at the minute probably not it would very easily just get sucked in and say uh we're on a 15 we run you know i'm being run of course we'll come top two and then now we've lost it and say oh no we're definitely not coming top two so yeah there is that danger in swaying too far one with the other and football fans uh do 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 sometimes do that but yeah, I think the, the, the key is to, to, to look at it in context. Yes, it is a down performances and, and yes, it is a, a disappointing game. And, and, and yes, I think, you know, whatever structural problems do remain, but we are, still, we are still having a very, very good season. That hasn't changed because of one game and it's not even changed because of the past four weeks of playing worse. That, the whole overall wider picture of the season is, is still very much good. And it, and, and it can very much continue to be good. All it just needs is to turn that around. So I think Aaron is absolutely right on that, that there is that danger of two, you know, swaying too easily one way or the other. 
rather than maintaining a, a clear head and looking at the bigger picture. Absolutely. One one final point before we move on on this is that mm-hmm. this season, rightly, there has been a lot of praise heaped on this group of players and this set of coaching staff in some of the results we've picked up, some of the records we've broken, some of the performances in games. And quite rightly, when they do something right, they should get a lot of praise for it. And just because that's our first defeat in 16 doesn't mean that when the performance and aspects of the performance need criticism, that we shouldn't be open and criticise it and be frustrated with it and be angry with it. Because we can't just give them a pass just because it's one defeat in 16. There were elements of that defeat Friday night that were pretty abysmal. Oh, I agree with that. And Schumacher sort of come out and said it himself when he said that Port Vale, I'm not going to try and quote him because I can't really remember the quote properly, but he was talking about desire and he felt Port Vale perhaps edged it in the desire stakes. So I, I kind of agree with him. Um, at times we were going through the motions and just allowing them to play their game on our pitch, which isn't the way it should be. And it's not the way a team at the top of the table should be. And rightfully that should be called out as should the lack of quality in the final third. So just because it's one defeat in 16 doesn't mean they should be exempt from criticism and frustration and finger pointing. And that doesn't necessarily have to result in an overreaction. But rightfully so, if we go to Cambridge on Saturday, put two or three past them and go back to our fluid best, rightfully, they will get all the praise again. Oh, I absolutely agree. I just make the point clear. When I was saying that we need to keep a calm hand, yeah, I agree. I was talking about people who then make judgments about the wider context of the season. I completely mm. agree with you that we can still look at each and every performance in isolation. It's the same as if we have a really bad season and we have one fantastic performance and result. Yes, we can still look at the wider picture of the season being negative in that instance, but can still very much enjoy the one good day. Same reverse, we can still, in this instance, we can enjoy the wider season, but still criticise and be angry on the one bad day. And I think that's, yeah. you know, that's the right way to go yeah. about it. Before we move on to our toothless attacking, let's, let's start at the back. Joe, you said about teams being consistent in this league. One thing that Vale are consistent at is goals from set pieces. That was their 10th goal this season. Uh, you How many have that- we got? You couple, I've uh, no idea. I hardly have a doubt. Zero, none um, is the answer to that. Well, there you go. You couple that with eight games uh, for us without a clean sheet. Bloody TikTok. And we've, and we've, yeah, exactly. We've, te- we've technically let them win two headers in one move. But yeah, what's gone wrong there? What's missing in our back line? A lot of people who knee jerk would say Dan Scar um, don't necessarily agree. Although I do, obviously, would love to have Dan Scar available. This isn't a wider criticism or anything, but how I'd ask the question, and it's not just about this regime, it's going back over the previous, I don't know, 10, 12 years. As a football club, have Plymouth Argyle ever really been good at defending set pieces? I I struggle. Perhaps maybe when we had the likes of Viner and Bradley, we looked pretty, pretty secure at the back. I've always thought we've had a little bit of a fragility about us. I don't know why. Maybe that's just because it's my team and I see it every week. Um, the 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 goal, the first goal, there's a bit of fluke about it. The fact that James Wilson just turns, not that one, just turns his head and it skims off his face and goes into the opposite corner and diverts it away from Cooper. It's the fact that the lad who wins the first contact just gets a free run at it. Who's meant to pick him up? Who's following him? Yeah. And they, when the goal goes in, they're all sort of looking around each other as if to say, well... Who was meant to pick him up? I believe, if I remember rightly, it's Houghton's man. He just lets him. He just lets him run. Well, yeah. Well, if if it is Houghton, then it, it's poor from him. But I don't know. I 
I've never once this season looked at a game and seen a team having set pieces and felt, oh, sorry, right, we'll deal with this. I, I never, I never feel that. But equally, I never see us having a set piece and think, oh, I really think we can score from this. So it's different. And, you know, they're obviously a, um, a physical side without being over-physical and therefore set pieces are a, a good thing for them. But, um, yeah, I can't explain why we allowed them to have as much space for that first goal as we can as we did. Let's just move on to that toothless attacking because that's that's what lost us the game in truth. Which which miss is worse? Simple question. Hardy's, Ennis or Whitaker's? Hardy's. Um it, it's gotta be Hardy's. Um then again the Ennis one's quite bad as well. I think the Whitaker one is harder than it looks when it comes to him. I think it initially comes to him on his weaker foot and his body's a bit out of shape. He doesn't really have time to get his feet right. You know, could he do better with it? Absolutely. But I don't think it's a, it's a gimme at all. Uh, the Ennis one, it's coming to him quite quickly. Again, probably should still do better, but you can at least let him off the bit that it's coming to him quickly. The Hardy one is a bit of a sitter, I'm afraid. He, he, he has his body shape completely right. He's sort of got his shoulders arched directly. He's ready, ready to slot it in. He just doesn't make the right contact, he he just completely scoops it. And, well, yeah, we, we, we all saw what happened next. So it's, um, Hardy one was the worst of the three, I think, but neither of them, were, none of the three were great. Um, disagree. I'm willing, I'm, I'm sort of willing to give Hardy a little bit of a pass in respect to when the ball actually drops to him, it's on the rise. It, it's climbing to him. It's very difficult for him to get his body position right when he's reacting as quick as he did, it's still a bad miss and it should still put us 1-0 up at half-time. But I I think it's the Ennis one. I really do. I think he sets himself, he he just gets it all wrong. Um, When you think in the build-up to the chance, he'd done so much hard work to get a lovely shot away um, and was unlucky to hit the post. I just think it's awful. I really do. Um, Yeah, for me, it's the Ennis chance. Yeah, I think I'd go Hardy personally, but but I'm, I'm I, too I, 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 all of them. If any if anybody should have put us one 0 up, it's Mumba, really. That that yeah. shot that shot across goals drags. Sorry, I, 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 yeah, just, just to confirm, sorry. Um, but as Joe was describing the Ennis one, I realised in my head I, I I was thinking of the Mumba one. My apologies, because I was I was thinking about one that came quite quickly, and I think that's the one I was thinking about because the Ennis one didn't come quickly, did it? He had time to take a touch on it, so I'm I'm getting the chances uh, muddled slightly in my head, but. Obviously, that, that means there's now four in total to Ennis, Mumba, Whitaker, and, and Hardy. So, really should have scored one of those four, at least. Two potential penalty shouts, one in each half. Joe, you you want no tangents tonight. So, just a quick thought on this week's uh, refereeing performance. If only this was streamed on a webcam, because you'd see me with a grin on my face and rubbing my hands together. <laughs> I love the opportunity to berate referees. Um it's a difficult job refereeing. Uh, it's not a difficult job to spot two blatant handballs. Um, this one is in reference to the heart in the build-up to the Hardy miss. Is it Mumba who takes the shot from the edge of the box? Yes, I, I want to say yes. That I mean, the lad, the lad makes absolutely no effort to cover his face or anything like that. He is making his body bigger by stretching his arms out in the most unnatural of positions above his head. It strikes his hand. It potentially strikes another Port Vale player on the arm on the way through to the keeper. Um, that's just a handball. The referee perhaps 
would say that I let the advantage play out because Hardy was in. Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, let's be fair, in the Premier League with VAR, that's pulled back for a penalty, regardless of what Hardy then ensues to do by putting it over. The second one is the one, um, is it Miller, who thunders a ball back towards goal um, when there's a bit of a melee um, again? The lad just puts his arms up, tries to make himself as big as possible in an unnatural position. The pass for that, I guess, from the referee is that he could say it was struck quickly at him. Um, but it's, he's made himself bigger. I mean, the, he's deliberately played the ball with his hands by making his, his body shape bigger. Um, for me, there's no excuse. I'm disappointed at least one of them wasn't given. If I was expecting one to be given, it was the one in the first half of the Hardy chance, only because of the proximity of the player to the one in the second half. But I I just thought both of them were glaring handballs. And I thought from a referee who's done more games in the championship this season than any other division, I'd have expected him to have seen at least one of them. He wasn't the reason we lost, um, but that is a pretty frustrating aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, agree. Um, second half, second the one at the end. I think you can may, maybe give a bit of benefit of the doubt and say that he, he was sort of jumping, and that was that was where his arms were naturally going. Bit you know, fifty fifty that one. First half one, I think was a penalty. Um, like you say, I think I think he could his arms aren't that naturally was sort of flapping, and if he was trying to take off in flight, wasn't he really the way he's it made himself? Far. He's he's deliberately yeah. made himself bigger and played the ball with his arms. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I think the first half one was definitely a penalty. Second half one, like I say, I, I think those can go either way. I think you can put a reasonable case forward that that's just, you know, if you're going to jump, your arms are going to go out from your body. That's just physics. But um, whether it was unnatural or not, say 50-50. But yeah, first one penalty. Obviously, uh, Jordan Houghton himself isn't really a talking point in this game. But I, as I said, I was listening to Argyle TV and Katie Middleton was on COCOMS. And she was actually brilliant on COCOMS, by the way. I'd, I'd much prefer her to Ian Stonebridge's very obvious, boring comments. Justice for Stoney. I quite like Ian Stonebridge. I, I think he's all right. I like him as a man. He's very boring to listen to. Um, <laughs> but that's coming That's coming from me with a voice like this. So... Um, <laughs> She had mentioned that Houghton had only scored twice in his two spells with us. And like we know that he can trouble a keeper from range. And he takes up some great positions to just, just smash one in. Yet he j- just doesn't seem to hit them. Like he could have he could have had one against Vale. It popped up was... to him on the edge of the box. He just doesn't shoot. What why is that? I'm disappointed. When I started reading this question in the running order, I expected there to be a quiz on the end of it of both of us trying to tell you that it was Morecambe away and Accrington away where he scored. Well, it's um, no was, quiz if you already know. And Everybody I was ready to take. Fu- I was ready to take full. Um, wasn't one of them a bank? Wasn't that the bank it, holiday weekend where a lot of people missed the game because of the traffic problems? The Morecambe one. Yeah, was in, in, his, in his first spell for us. Yeah, kind of yeah. Like, I'm sorry, he'd only scored one in his second spell, hadn't he? And that was an Accrington goal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry, I'm t- I'm supposed to be tangent free. Yeah, I think. There was another game earlier this season where he, he broke to one on the edge of the box, and I'm thinking, just put your laces through it. He spread it wide. Might have been Bristol Rovers in the first half. Um, it's almost like he's told not to shoot. That's the impression I get, is that of the two of them, of him and Randall, they seem to encourage Randall to have a go more than Houghton. Um, I don't know why. As you say, both his goals have been decent strikes. Um 
But it's it's strange, isn't it? Is do we really look at him as a goal scorer though? I know we're getting goals from all over the park, but I mean, if Jordan Houghton makes several key interceptions and breaks up play and puts in an eight out of ten performance and doesn't score, then I'm much happier with him scoring and doing nothing else in the game and it not meaning anything to the result. So um, I get the yeah. question, but I don't yeah, see him as agreed. a goal scorer. So. Agreed. Like I said, it's not really. He's not really a talking point this week, at least. But just there's it just frustrates me. He, he's quite a low risk just... player, isn't he? he, he I think he will. I and mean, he's not always a bad thing. He would always, where possible, not always, but often, play the simple ball rather than the, rather than go for the killer pass. I think Randall mm. will go high risk, high reward. Houghton will go lower risk, but also that does come with, with lower reward. I think he's a, he's a, the player he reminds us of at the top level is like Jorginho for Chelsea. You never see him shoot apart from the penalty spot. You never ever <laughs> see him shoot from open play. He will always he will always just try and play the possession game, play the numbers game, play a pass that you can't really fail to complete. And that's not always a criticism because sometimes you do need somebody who will just keep the possession turning over. But yeah, I think Houghton's a, a low risk player when he has the ball at his feet for sure. The only real positive I can think from this game is more minutes for uh, Mayer and Miller, Miller yeah. who, who hope, who hopefully you know we see unleashed at the Abbey Stadium. And talking of which, next up for Argyle is a trip to East Anglia to face oh, Cambridge God. United. I'm not actually sure if Cambridge is in East Anglia, but as I live here, uh, I, I think should, it is. No, I, I should it is. know that, but. It's only an hour oh, away Do you, do you from live out so. that way, Aaron, do you? You haven't yeah, mentioned it or anything. No, exactly. <laughs> um, the U's find themselves down in 20th and another side that we appear to have a bad record against, especially away from home. Like My my memories of the trip to the Abbey are just awful, apart from Sarsovic. Sarsovic, his debut, wasn't it? Yeah, like, apart, from that, apart from that, my trips there are never very joyous. Thoughts and predictions ahead of Saturday. Nice and simple. Uh, it will be postponed. We're looking at the weather forecast. It's, it's my first thought and prediction. But if the game does go ahead, if if, if the weather's not as bad and Cambridge managed to get it on, we just don't do well there, do we? Um, I think this little wobble is going to make us. I think it's going to make us worry a bit longer, and we're gonna we're gonna lose one nil. And I think before coming back to form the week after. Oh, lovely. Glad Mr. Up, Mr. Positive's on the pod tonight. I predicted a win for Friday and we lost, so maybe if we lost a win, who knows? Uh, yeah, like you, Aaron, we don't have great memories of the Abbey Stadium. Um, last year being um, an obvious one. Um, thoughts on the game? Right, they're in very poor form. Um, they're seemingly showing no signs of a recovery, but then I don't really know if they've got any injury issues or anything. Um, I like Mark Bonner as a coach. They frustrated me last season when they came to Home Park because actually um, they spent a lot of time time wasting and taking as much momentum out of the game as they possibly could. And they were a much, much better side than that. Like they didn't need, they're a better footballing side than having to go through all those shenanigans. Um, they had a very good year last year. Um, for whatever reason, it's not quick this year. Um, are we on a wobble? Depends which way you look at it. Um, we're going to see changes because obviously I expect that Lomvike probably won't start, um, which I'm disappointed that question didn't come up in the thing from, from Port Vale because I had a view on that. Um, so I expect there'll be a change at the back. 
I don't think we'll start with Miller. I think Mayer will start. I think Ennis will resort to going back up front where he looked a bit more comfortable. Um, as for the game itself, we don't know if it's going to be on. If it's on, we now don't. We can't be sure of what time it's going to kick off. Um, it's it's the sort of ground. If you could write up a place to go after your first defeat since August. Cambridge isn't one you'd have high on the list because it's hostile. It's a tricky ground, tricky dimensions. It's a bloody long way. Um, and if I'm being honest, although it's a negative way to look at it, I'd probably take a point out of this. Um, I know, as I say, I know that sounds negative given the form they're on and where we are in the division, but I just think we need to go back to basics now. Um, we need to go back to the way we start the season, hit the reset button. Um, maybe, as I say, just tweak the way we play a little bit. Um, and yeah, if we have to settle for a point, we have to settle for a point. But I don't, I don't have as much optimism at the moment um, as I did have at the start of last month, which is frustrating. But And I guess that is a reflection on where we are at the moment, just with the... Not necessarily the results, but just the level of performances. Um, it is just a little bit tricky, but we will um, we'll just have to wait and see, won't we? Exactly that. You, you touched upon it there, Joe, that a few EFL clubs have requested to the EFL uh, to move Saturday's kickoff to 12.30 due to, obviously, England playing against France in the evening. I, I, c- I can imagine we are one of those, or if not Cambridge, are one of those that have, have requested that. Um, is it? Is it, this? I made a point on Twitter earlier today, and I think you responded to it. Is it going to make a whole amount of difference to the eleven hundred Argyle fans that are travelling? I think because... I think it will because because we're we're going to have a large contingent from London, which we'll get back in time. Yeah. We'll have. Um... But what about the contingent that are travelling from Devon? Then it doesn't matter what time the game kicks off; they're never going to be back for seven o'clock. No, no, but it just you know, it means you can get slightly further home, right? Like yeah. it's, it's not ideal, and obviously. Um, I mean, it's too, let's be fair. It's too late now to postpone the weekend's football. If any, if anything, it's more of a detriment to Cambridge as a city if they move yeah. it to twelve thirty because that means they'll have, you know, one thousand one hundred Argyle fans trying to find a pub in Cambridge to watch the game. Yeah, I would agree. And let's let's not be big headed or flippant about it. Cambridge is sort of in the lower third in the division of, um, oh, how do I phrase this? Not necessarily size of club, but just attendances. Yeah, attendances and just stature in a way. In amongst this level of opposition in League One, we're in the top third of that. And clubs like Cambridge, they re- their whole season essentially revolves around the likes of Sheffield Wednesday, Ipswich, Portsmouth, Argyle, Derby, Barnsley. All these teams come in and bring in large support. And as you say, if they it potentially could have a detrimental effect on Cambridge because Argyle fans might not be as um, willing to part with cash, if you like. You know where I'm going with that. Um, depending on what time the England game of, game is and what time we kick off. 
Yeah, um, I think, it, well, in terms of whether the Devon Gadinja will make it back in the seven o'clock, I'd say it possibly depends how much um, how much respect they have for the national speed limit. It's, it's probably a part of that. But uh, <laughs> I, 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 know, I know for sure that some Argyle fans who, who are driving will, will make it home for seven if, it, if it's not bad. Well, not that we condone speeding on this podcast, but, you know, I think some Argyle fans will make it home. Um, or you just stop in Bristol or something and find yeah, somewhere Yeah, exactly, Lincoln. exactly. You find somewhere along the way. Like I'm going on a, I'm going on a minibus that stops most games. Going back from uh, in Taunton, we generally stop. Um, if it's at the normal time, we we booked uh, a table in Solly Hull of all places to watch the game. If, uh, <laughs> yeah, just because that's conveniently off the motorway. But obviously, if it does get moved to twelve thirty, we'll probably try and make it as far as far as Taunton. Um, but we'll see. I think it's 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 just quite short notice. I mean, crikey, it's what it's mm. Monday today. The game's not out of time of recording. That is, of course, by the time this goes out, you may well have actually heard that it has been moved. But obviously, if they announce say tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, that it's being moved. Then it's not a lot of stuff, particularly for people who book train tickets. For goodness' sake, I mean, Argyle fans who have, or even London-based fans who book train tickets, if that if they if they've actually got a specific reservation for a certain time, then they're not going to be able to move that train, are they? Which is going to be very detrimental. So, I I have the feeling that it won't get moved um, just because of the distances involved, and that and Cambridge will probably want you know Argyle fans to like they to spend their money. Uh, you know, at, at the time that, that it was initially said. So I, I have to think it won't get moved. Maybe it will, and maybe I'll be totally wrong. But what I will say is if yeah. we're applying logic to Sam's argument there, um, we can screw that up and throw it straight out the window in the respect that Burton versus Derby, which is a stone's throw from each other, has now been brought forward. As if it's going to make any difference to either set of supporters from Burton or Derby to get home in time for a seven o'clock kickoff. Of all the games, that's the one so far, the only one that I know of in League One that's been moved. So but I, I, think, I don't again, think we should apply too much logic given this is the EFL. Yeah, no, that, well, well, that's true. And I, and I think it just depends what, what the clubs want. But I, I think clubs are going to be very conscious of angry fans kicking off at them on Twitter. And I think the train tickets, people who've made plans, people who've you know got tickets booked at a certain time, it's going to be very difficult for them you know, to, to be able to rearrange that. And I think ultimately, it, it's not like the game is kicking, it's not like the England game is kicking off at three o'clock. You know, if that were the case, if it were a case of missing the England game entirely, I'd say, yeah, you know, completely move it. But it, if it, with it being the case that the England game starts two hours after the Argyle game finishes, people who want to watch that game will find a way to watch that game. Even if they're just, even if they're just streaming it on their, on their tablet, on, on the train, or even if they just, you know, I'm sure that's enough time to get to London, isn't it? And then watching it, I don't know, whatever pub is nearest to the train station in London or, or, or you know, whatever that may be, depending on where exactly they're going in London. I think that there's a two-hour leeway. It's not like it kicks off at three o'clock. It's not even like it kicks off at five o'clock. It kicks off at seven o'clock. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it will be moved, but I, I don't think it will be. I think fans who want to watch that game will find a way to watch that game without it being I'd, moved. I'd be surprised, personally. But... Yeah. Going back to... Um... Cambridge United, and you touched upon it, Joe. Do you think Mark Bonner is going to be regretting his decision not to join Rotherham when he had the chance? We need to get Mark Bonner on the podcast. Ask him. <laughs> um, no, it's tricky, in it? Because I think we spoke when we discussed Schumacher's contract about how managers can, have, can burn their fingers over climbing the ladder too quickly. Um, 
and he's done a bloody good job at Cambridge. Um, I would always advise in a situation, not that anyone would ever listen to me, um, but I would always advise in a situation like this, look, if it's working for you and you've got a club that believes in you and supports you, you're better off just staying where you are at times. It's better to stick than twist. Um, and had he gone to Rotherham, I mean, Matt Taylor seems to have started okay up there. Um, there's no guarantees it would have worked out for him. Um, as I say, I like... I like Bonner as a manager. I listened to him on a, um, I think it was the Not the Top 20 podcast, did a thing with him last season. Um, and he came across very good on that. Um, his side played good football, even if they do frustrate me time wasting wise. But yeah, only he will know if he regrets it. Um, the facts of this season would suggest that they're struggling for whatever reason. Um, but I'd back him as a good, solid manager to turn it around. Um, they might need January. They might be needing it like us. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I don't know if he regrets it, but I don't blame him for staying at Cambridge um, because they're a club that support him and they're right behind him. So, well, my take on that would be: whilst it is absolutely possible to burn your fingers and climb the ladder too quickly, it's also possible to get you know, frostbite if you like from not climbing the ladder quick enough. I, I think mm. Football is a very fickle game, and obviously, you know. I, we all, if we're a fan of a, of an Argyle type club, if anyone comes with Schumacher, obviously we all want Schumacher to stay. But I think if, if I'm if I'm an agent, if I'm talking to a manager and looking out for their best interests, I'm probably always always telling them, as bad as it sounds, but I'm probably always telling them to take a move when I can, because yes, if Bono wasn't doing well at Rotherham, he might get sacked from Rotherham, but at least then you're sacked from a Championship club. You know, if, if this form keeps on much longer, he might even be sacked by Cambridge. I, and I'm not saying that they that they will or even that they should. But the way football goes, it is a very uh, fast and loose game. It's a very fickle game. Isn't isn't today's news perfect example of that? Ben Garner was doing a brilliant job at Swindon. Mm. He jumped at the chance to go to Charlton. Should we ask? Should we maybe see if he regrets his decision to go to well, Charlton? Well, th- th- well, that's two examples of when Bonner's somebody who who didn't move when he had the chance and then did badly. Garner's someone who did move when he had the chance and then and then went badly. So. There's one example to kind of back up your side and one example back up my side. But mm. what I'd still say is, even in that situation where Garner has been sacked, Ben Garner will probably get another League Two job without too much of a problem. So the worst case scenario of him is he ends up back where he was in the first place. If Bonner gets sacked by Cambridge, he may well not get another League One job. So he could end up below where he was in the first place. So I still think yeah, that by taking the move, he, he's still giving himself that safety net that he can end up back where he was, you know? And I think we'll call it a day there. Joe, you need to go. So, I was going to say we don't want to we don't want to bore people for too long, um, do we? They they've spent enough time listening to us rant about things tonight. So, exactly, nice concise one. And I'll see you next week. Cheers, guys. Goodbye. Ho- hopefully, a better result next week. Here's hoping. Cheers. Bye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.